It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is a series where you really wish run differential meant anything. Uh, The Tigers win in blowout fashion on Thursday afternoon. Let's talk about it all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, September 15th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All righty. Well, the Tigers win big. 8-2 to two victory over the Cincinnati Reds in Comerica Park on Thursday afternoon. Very, very nice ball game all around. Great pitching performances. I mean, clearly eight runs. We're going to take that every day of the week. Definitely not a frustrating end to the series, but I think when we look back, at this series. I guess it's over. We can do that right now. This is one that is like you did feel like you left something on the table there, right? Like even if you the, right now, the outlook is we dropped two of three. We salvaged game three and one big. If you even flip one of the two games, I'm not even asking for a sweep. If you flip one of the two first two games that we lost by one run and you flip it to a win, you're talking about a series win where the third loss was a one run or extra innings loss, right? Like that's a completely different outlook. And obviously you can't do that. And they did drop two of three. And that's one of the reasons why the Cincinnati Reds are in the playoff hunt and you are not is because of their ability to execute and, and get the upper hand in close ball games. But like when you were watching this series or listening, however you, you know, perceive the Detroit Tigers, however you intake the Tigers, like, were, were you watching it and you were like, man, like, this is, this Reds team, like, they really are way better than us. We still have a long ways to go before we're in playoff contention. Like, no, nobody felt that way. Nobody felt like we were overpowered. Nobody felt like the Reds were e- even like the definite, like, bona fide best team on the field for all three of these games. I didn't really feel like that at all. I, I'm not sure there was a single inning where I felt like we were outclassed or outmatched, Right. We have a series against the Dodgers next week in LA. That series I'll feel outmatched in, okay? I'll watch that series and go, oh my goodness, we are nowhere close to this baseball team. That's when I'll feel that way. And like the Dodgers are way better than the Reds, not comparing those two teams, but like the Reds are in the thick of the playoff hunt. There is a a very real world in which the Cincinnati Reds are playing playoff baseball in three weeks. And I don't think the Tigers look completely overmatched and overpowered by them. It's the little things. And that's why I get so mad at them and why I've been so frustrated at the lack of clutch hitting and why I've been so frustrated at the small, minute defensive mistakes that this team made this series. Is because you're really just like one or two of those going in a different direction or cleaning up those even a little bit. You don't even have to be, you know, the, 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 
the most talented team ever. You don't have to be the team that makes the fewest mistakes. You don't have to be the cleanest product on the field. But if you just clean up a little bit of those, man, you're, you're talking about a, a, a potential like overwhelming success over a playoff team. And, and I felt that with a few series against teams that are objectively better than you this year. So we don't play the moral victory game. I'm tired of that. We're eight years into this rebuild, right? I'm, I'm not going to come on here and be like, oh, well, we should all be happy losing two of three. But if there was a positive spin on it, it would be that. It would be you, you, you played well against a team that's better than you. You gave yourself chances to win. The next step in development, right? Development's not linear. It's not just, oh, look, it's a lot of this, <laughs> It's a lot of, of peaks and valleys, a lot of roller coaster rides, but it, it, the overall trend is upwards. And I think that the Tigers are at a stage right now. There's still a lot of decisions that have to be hit on. It's certainly not guaranteed that they continue to progress forward, but I think they're at a, a, a point right now in the development of a lot of these players where, you know, you're, you're getting, you're at the point where you're getting in position to do damage, but you're not coming through very often. Are you in a position where you have the upper hand and then you're giving up a big inning or you're having three errors in half an inning or you're leaving 52 million men on base? Like it's it's a, it's a stage. It's a stage in in climbing the cliff of playoff baseball or, or competitive team, you know, baseball. And, and it's a frustrating stage, but it's a necessary one. And um, I, I don't. Again, I'm not saying anyone should take a moral victory out of this conversation, but it is worth noting. Like last year, there wasn't even any of this. They were just awful. They just couldn't score runs, period. They were bad fundamentally. They were just a bad baseball team. This year, they're still not great, but there is progress. And that progress is shown. We'll talk about this a little bit more at the end of the show. In the Tigers have already in this ball game, as reported by a lot of people, surpassed their win total from last year, with still two and a half ish weeks left. And we'll take that. Let's talk about the offense to start off. Got to bury the lead a little bit, and not talk about resource and off rip. Sorry to uh, to play you like that, but got to do my job too. Let's talk about this offense though. Eight runs scored. Um, I mean, Matt Veerling with the grand slam, the thing, and AJ Hinge talked about it and we've talked about it on this show before Matt Veerling has tools. Matt Veerling has, has a, a plethora of tools. And my opinion that I have said on this show about like, oh, you know, in his current form, he's kind of like a fourth outfielder, super utility type. There's value in that. He's going to be good at that. Um, but like, even after the grand slam, he's got a pretty like well below league average OPS still. It's 718 now. It's crawled back up. Good for him. Hope that it's 900. But like that, there there are still limitations on what I, I think the ceiling of Matt Veerling is. And the reason for that is because he never pulls fastballs literally ever. And in this game, he pulled a fastball 450 feet. It's the second longest Tigers Grand Slam in the StatCast era, which is since 2015. Okay, so it, it, it has always been something that, that we've talked about on this show earlier in the season, but there's always been an underlying thing of like, this dude has tools. It's just about maximizing and utilizing them as, as at peak value, as best as you can. 
And it's something that we've talked about with Torgelson, and now it's something that we're going to talk about with Veerling too. If he just didn't spike the ball into the ground to the right side of the field every single time he steps in the batter's box, I think this dude could be better than he's been this year. And you could have a fast runner who gives you plus defense or at least net zero defense at corner outfield positions, can play some infield positions, and can hit decently well and wreak havoc on the base paths. That's valuable. But, like, people like to pull up his baseball savant page and they're like, oh, look, like, you know, expected batting average is high. Average exit velo isn't, like, the worst thing ever. Like, he hits the ball kind of hard. He spikes the ball to the ground to second base. He's late on every fastball. And in this game, he wasn't. And in the last week, he hasn't been. And that's awesome. I hope that that's not a fluke. And I hope that that's a sign of development and adjustments being made. Because if Matt Veerling can pull the baseball, you're talking about a legitimate like, this dude's going to be here the next five years, and he deserves to be so. To be so? He deserves to. So, I- I'm I'm hoping, I don't know why I'm so, like, fired up about this right now. <laughs> this should be a pretty calm conversation. I'm not sure why I'm amped up. But, like, th- that is, that's a huge thing. If he can pull the ball, I'm not even asking for him to, like, pull and elevate necessarily like Torque. I don't need this dude to hit... 2025 homers for him to be a valuable asset on my team. We see all the singles to the opposite field he gets. Those are all into the spiked into the ground. If he can just hit the ball hard to the pull side and hit fast balls to the pull side, same conversation with Javi Baez. Man, I'm in. I'm I'm in. I I, I will I will gladly change my opinion on what type of player I think Matt Veerling can be if he makes that adjustment. And in the last week he has, but. You know, that's not a big enough sample size for me to anoint anything different. So good for him. Awesome game. Awesome moment. Put the game on a reach. Tip of the cap. Matty V. Heck of a ball game, baby. And hopefully he can end on a hot streak, man. If he ends the season with an OPS around 720, uh, I think people people will be a lot more comfortable kind of penciling him in uh, to this to this major league roster next year. So that's awesome. And like he's going to be regardless. Like he, he and he should be. You know, I'm, I'm not... Trying to make this, uh, 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 I don't know, anything more than what it is. So good for Matt Veerling. And uh, yeah, hopefully he can carry that momentum and those adjustments throughout the rest of this season and into next season. Let's keep the ball rolling. We got a few more offensive performances to talk about. And then we got some RISP updates. Uh, I'm going to drop the Tigers series stats for RISP. Uh, and it's going to make your ears bleed. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why the Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have medication in hand and it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultants and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. 
All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday recapping a series in L.A. or in Anaheim against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I love calling them that, even though they don't go by it anymore. I just think that's such a strong, like, like powerful name. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Some people clown on it which is probably also fair. Uh, let's keep the ball rolling. Talk about this offense. I've said my piece on Matty V. Um, so Spencer Torgelson, one for five, uh, had an RBI, had a single, a clutch single. Good to see there. Left a couple of runners on base still, um, but nice to see him still hit the ball hard, get it through the infield. Nice to see him hit some like non-homers too, right? Like you can't just, well, Kyle Schwarber exists, but like you can't just like only hit homers. Right. And again, Kyle Schwarber, he walks a boatload too. That's I know that's like the hot topic. Everybody loves debating like how good is Kyle Schwarber actually? Like he walks a a, a bleep ton. So like that's also like part of it, you know, single versus a walk, really. Uh similar, similar mindset there. But like Torgelson, you took one one. You don't want him to bat one ninety. Like you, you need and Schwarber has forty homers. Torgelson has twenty eight. Like big difference there. Not trying to compare these two players at all. Not sure why I went down this rabbit hole. I'm just saying it's nice to see him get hits. Like we talk all the time about the homers and whatnot, but it is nice to see him get uh some just some base knocks and some good contact on those base knocks. So good for him. Uh, in that, I mean, one for five, not like some crazy, incredible performance, still struck out with runners on base, but um, nice to see him get at least a base hit there. Kerry Carpenter, I want to talk about Carp for like five seconds here, a little bit longer. That's an exaggeration. So he goes one for four in this ball game, 290 average, 853 OPS. Obviously, everybody loves Kerry Carpenter, has had a fantastic year. Um, there's a little bit of like a lack of power lately, a lot of singles lately. And you know, when, when looking at what he does against certain pitches, breaking balls, he hits for average decently. He doesn't hit for average very well against sliders. Slider is still his one Achilles heel. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the offseason. But he does. He has a sub-200 batting average, no power. He, he does not do well against sliders still. Um, but curveballs... He has an average over 310 against curveballs on the year, but next to no power, right? Slug like in the 300s, like not even the high 300s. So I think what people are realizing is like, okay, this dude absolutely destroys fastballs and he's hit changeups incredibly well this year. So I'm just going to throw him all breaking balls. If he gets a single, so be it, right? I'll give up the single, but he's not going to go yard on me against breaking balls. And I think that that is the next adjustment he has to make. And also like his average against breaking balls are way less. Like it's still way lower than what they are against off speed and fastballs, which he has an average over 300 against both of those. So I think that people are just kind of living with like, all right, this dude's going to get on base once or twice a night, but we can at least like limit the damage. We can mitigate the, the punch that he is going to provide in the middle of that lineup if we can just make him only hit singles. I think that's kind of what's been happening lately. And uh, yeah, we, we haven't seen a homer in a little bit. Um, so extra base hits just aren't really happening too terribly much for him, but he's still getting on base. And that's why the OPS is going down, but the average isn't. Right? He's still batting 290. He's been around 290 to 300 all season, but the OPS has gone from 900 to 850. So I, I think that that's, you know, that really hot streak in March where him and Torque were just going back and forth in the boatload of homers. 
lately he hasn't been hitting the home run. And I think that that's why, at least when I watch the ball game. So something to keep an eye on there. Another adjustment that he'll have to make. I have faith that he will do it because he has made a million adjustments already at the major league level. And uh, every time I point something out and I'm like, oh, like he really struggles against this, like within a week. He, he's no longer struggling against it. So I have the utmost faith in Kerry Carpenter and his ability to make adjustments there, but something to keep an eye out for. And then when we go into next season, something to keep an eye out for as well. Um, Jake Rogers getting a hit is nice. He's really struggled in the second half. Akil Badu, Homer. Uh, again, like we talked about it in August, you know, players who are playing for the most in the second half. And Akil Badu is, is, is very high up on that list. This dude, you know, this – these last three weeks are very important to him and taking that momentum into the offseason because I think that he's going to be uh, not a decision, like he's not going to get DFA'd or anything, but I think there's legitimate, cons- not concerns, but conversations surrounding whether he is on this baseball team uh, next year or not. And so him playing well can only benefit him, I feel like. And then Parker Meadows getting a hit, ending, the, I think it was 0 for 27, 0 for 28 streak that he had going for him uh didn't strike out in this ball game uh Andrew walk so like again I, I it was kind of and he hit the ball hard to the pull side that was good to see um I again like I he's certainly not a sub 600 OPS major league hitter I don't think at least um I, I do think that there is some limitations to, like the heights that he can reach but we've talked about it plenty if he can even be like a 750 OPS guy he's going to be incredibly valuable to a baseball team so We'll see what heights he can reach, but uh, the floor was never like 0 for 28 bad. He, he the, the, yeah, the, there was always a little bit of snake bittenness in there. Um, had some weak contact today, but obviously uh, got, got the hard hit ball hit to the pole side there to, uh, to break through that slump. So good for him. Let's talk about Reese Olsen. Actually, RISP update really quickly. We're going to do that. Um, the Tigers, let me pull up the exact number here. The Tigers end up going do do do. Oh no, I lost it. This is great radio. Seven for 39 with runners in scoring position and left 27 men on base this series. That's a 179 batting average. They had 39 opportunities in this three game series with a runner in scoring position and failed in 32 of them. Okay. Next topic of conversation. Let's talk about Reese Olsen. He was absolutely fantastic. This stat is via uh, Rahelio Castillo, who is uh, Motor City Metrics, Tiger Minor League Report. Great follow, great human being. Uh, Reese Olsen, in 12 of his 16 starts this season, has given up two runs or less. You see the ERA, you know, it's over four. You got to remember that he has like four, three or four starts where he just got absolutely popped, right? Six, seven, eight runs against. And in all the other ones, Two runs or less. Very, very solid. Some, you know, some starts where he was only throwing like four innings and in a couple of those early ones as well. But um, very solid. I mean, this is a back-to-back outings in which he's taken a no-hitter past the fifth inning. Fantastic. Six innings, two hits, one earned run on the solo homer, four walks, and seven strikeouts. The first three innings, he was unhittable. He was unbelievable. I, I was blown away at how good he was the first time through the lineup. And then the second time through the lineup, the command, there was, you could tell the exact at bat, like legitimately the exact at bat in which the command started going away. It was the first walk in, I want to say the fourth inning. It was either the fourth or the fifth inning. 
the, the first walk that he allowed in that inning. And then the next batter, he four-pitch walked. And then he got out of it. He hung a breaking ball. And it was a line drive to Akil Badu and left. And it was all with two outs. So we got out of the inning unscathed. But, like, that inning, that was where the command flustered. And from then on out, there was a lot more walks. But people are getting hits off of him. And that's a great sign. And the fascinating thing about Reese Olsen, we will talk about right after. I tell, It's a pro transition right there. I tell y'all about our friends over at, that's the wrong one, FanDuel. Get ready for NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads, player props, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in as always. So Reese Olsen, the fascinating part about his last couple of starts is he hasn't had a ton of, uh, of swings and misses. He had seven strikeouts in this outing with four whiffs. That's rare, but he was a cold strike machine. Okay, and a lot of it had to do at the beginning of the game with fastball command. Fastball command is of the utmost importance. We talk about that. We've been talking about that for my entire two and a half years here. Fastball command rules. And I think that in this outing specifically, again, once it went away, he started walking people. But in the first half of the outing, he was lights out painting four-seam fastballs all over the strike zone, low at the knees, uh, glove side, belt high, uh, arm side, up and away. Like, it, it was it was beautiful. It was textbook. It was fantastic. And, like, his numbers against the fastball, I, I talk all the time. I give him so much crap for, like, having not an, a, a super effective major league fastball. His batting average against his four-seamer this year is under 200. The issue I have with it is the whiff percentage is like 12% or 14%. It's not good, right? He, he doesn't get swings and misses with it. But these last three or four starts, he has made so many adjustments with p- pitch sequencing. And also, just in general with, with, I guess that's also pitch sequencing, but like when he uses his four-seam fastball. And in this game, he was just brushing people back all game, up and in, up and into lefties, up and into lefties, up and into lefties, then low and away to righties as well, but was really not afraid to go up and in against lefties this entire outing. And I think that it set up all of his other pitches really well. Even on the balls high and inside, brush them back a little bit, get their feet moving, make them see that 95 up and in, and then, you know, drop the hammer low and away. Like, I, I was very impressed with with the game calling as well, whether that was Hinch or Rogers or a little bit of Olsen or, or you know, uh, they all held hands and it was all three of them. Whoever deserves the credit, they deserve the credit. But, like, I, I was very, very impressed with how he utilized uh, all of his stuff in this game. I, I was very, very impressed. And uh, the sinker, again, like, it has, like, a 260 average against it, but, like, the slug against it's very low. And like in this game, the ball was hit hard against him, right? People were smoking the ball, but they were driving it into the ground outside of the home run. He had a couple of hard hit fly balls as well. But like the average exit below in this game was was almost a barrel. It was like 95 miles an hour. But 
if it's all ground balls, you're going to live with that. You're going to live with bad launch angles and, and getting people out on their front foot and just messing with timing just enough to keep people off balance. And I, I was just, uh, again, whether it's Fetter, Hinch, Rogers, Olsen, all four of them, I don't care. The, the pitch sequencing in this game was, was absolutely textbook, beautiful, chef's kiss, fantastic. And I think that he's going to need that if he wants this fastball to be effective at this level. And it has been his entire first year in the majors. That's a fantastic thing to build off of. So good for him. It's not slow. It's 95 with movement. It should be a good pitch. So I'm happy for him. The bullpen in this game, uh, Will Vest, one inning of perfect ball, continues to be great. He might end with a sub-3 ERA, which is a fantastic year, going to uh, establish himself and make, you know, kind of force the front office's upper hand to bring him back next year, which is great. Tyler Holton, one-third of an inning. Two hits given up, uh, had the one strikeout, and then uh, the Reds just decided they wanted to just go through and use all of – they were just going to use all of their righties against Tyler Holton. Just all – they had a whole bench full of righties, and they were just going to use all of them. Uh, so, Tigers went to Jason Foley, the ground ball king, and he gets a double play uh, almost immediately. I, how many pitches did he even throw? Had, had to have been like five or less. Immediately gets a double play, gets out of the inning. That's why Jason Foley is an absolute freaking dog, okay? All dog around this mug, and Jason Foley is why. And then Jose Cisnero, you know, at that point, the game got blown open. He gives up a solo homer. Uh, I don't even I don't even want to talk about it. I, like, sure, good job. Um, kept the game intact. Still not sure why you're on the roster, but, um, you know, that's that's a different conversation that we've been talking about for a long time. Was on the mound when the Tigers closed the door. That's all that matters. Good for him. Okay, so eight to two final. I think that's pretty much everything with this ball game. Uh, from a, a game recap perspective, the Tigers officially surpassed their win total from last year. Last year they won sixty six games. This year, even if they lose out, they will win sixty seven. Good to see. Uh, the Tigers have what sixteen ball games left. I want to say seven, fourteen, sixteen. They have 16 games left. If they go 500 the remainder of the season, okay? If they go 8-8, eight and eight, that is – oh, no, I have to do math on the spot. I didn't prepare that. 67 plus 8. So you're talking about 75 wins. If they just go 8-8, eight and eight, you're talking about a 75-win season. Is that right? Yeah, 3-5, that's 8. Yeah. 75 wins. So like that, if you would have told most people, right? Like we, I, I always just default back to, you know, like the, the, the people that support this show, because I, I see all of their opinions all the time in the comments and on online and, and whatnot. Like when I said that I thought this team was going to win 74 games, I was on the optimistic side, right? My preseason prediction was 74 wins. And that was like, oh, that's a little high, dude. And like most of the other Tigers media people were around like 68 to 71, somewhere in that range. They're going to surpass that. So uh, it's that's good. That's good. They're surpassing most people's expectations. Um, some people, oh, man, I can remember some people going into the year were like, this, you're wrong. This team's going to be like the worst team ever. And like that was, that was always absolutely preposterous. Um, they had the worst offense I've ever seen in my life last year and didn't even lose 100 games. Like they were never going to be like as bad as some people made them out to be going into the year. But like 
this was uh th- this was is a is a good solid building block year man if they can if they can hit that number i put out there at 74 you know when not even that doesn't even require them to go 500 the rest of the way um but it, like especially man if they can go on a hot streak if they can just the dodgers series i don't have high hopes for we don't tend to play la in la very well as far as the angels go the A's tend to be a thorn in our side. Like the West Coast road trip is going to determine a lot about how we finish this season. But like the end of the year, and this transitions us into our last point, the end of the year, they have six games at home against the Royals and the Guardians. There's no reason you should not go four and two there, at least. Zero. Zero. I don't care. I don't care. I, you're going to have a packed house. You're going to be selling out every single one of those games because people are going to want to see Miguel Cabrera one last time. You're, the, the vibes are going to be high. You're going to have a, a packed Comerica. There is zero excuse to not win four of those last six, which puts you at this 10-game road stretch against the Dodgers, Angels, and 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 A's, who are awful. I don't know, man. Like, I, I just... I think I think going to 500 the rest of the uh, the rest of the way is like very feasible, and if they do that, they will have won 75 games this year. And I think that again, when you think back to the beginning of the year, going into the season, if someone would have told you the Tigers were going to win 75 games, Torque was going to hit about 30 home runs, Kerry Carpenter was going to prove that he was going to be a middle of the lineup bat, the pitching was going to be solid. I think a lot of people would have taken that. So it's important not to lose, you know, big picture, big picture. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Big picture perspective while we go on this game to game basis of like, we just dropped the series to the Reds. We should have done better. We should have probably won the series. There's an argument we could have swept the series. But like, for what this team is, I think a lot of us will gladly take a mid 70s win total. All right. Angels preview the pitching matchups for this weekend are going to be Griffin Canning against Tarek Skubal on Friday. Sawyer Gibson Long against Tyler Anderson, who has just been a very bad, honestly, I was going to say a a very bad contract for the Angels so far, but goodness, man, that seems to be a recurring theme with them. They have quite a few of those, unfortunately. And then a TBD on Sunday against Reed Detmers, who I actually still like a lot. I I think he's just inefficient. He can get swings. Reed Detmers can get swings and misses. He just, you know, throws 90 pitches in four innings. So um, we will see how the Tigers fare against the Angels. Uh, I hope everyone is is ready to put some coffee on uh, on the uh, on the coffee maker. Okay. We got 9.30, 9 p.m., 4 p.m. on Sunday, then 10.10, 10.10, 10.10, 9.40, 9.40, 4.07, 4.07. We got a week full of 10 p.m. start times, baby. All right. So for those who watch these shows at midnight, you will certainly not be getting a midnight release because the game will literally still be happening at midnight Eastern for most of the week. So uh, expect it a little bit later, an hour or two after. And uh, yeah, appreciate y'all. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. We'll be back on Monday recapping this series against the Angels. And I'll see y'all then. All right. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all Monday, baby. Go Tigers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.